Welcome to Loop Me In, the podcast community for parents and carers on raising children with disabilities. Join presenters Dr. Lisa Interlegi and Christine Christopoulos and their guests in sharing experiences, information and support ideas to help children with disabilities flourish. Loop Me In is brought to you weekly on platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher to name a few. You can learn more, connect to the Loop Me In community and listen to more episodes on our website, loop-me-in.com.au. We're talking today to the founder of WeFlex. WeFlex was an organisation that was established to create an environment in health and fitness for people with a disability. So it provides unique training with one-to-one trainers for individual needs, not just a general exercise routine. And today, as I mentioned, the founder of WeFlex, Tommy Trout. Hello, Tommy. Hello, lovely to be here. Thanks, Bab. Absolutely great to be here. And thank you so much for the introduction. Um, I normally prefer to describe WeFlex as the fitness brand for people living with disability. Sounds awesome. And I've been watching your video and I just loved the story about how you started and you know, the sad loss of your dad and obviously your brother now, Jack, is, you mentioned before, he's 32, is that right? 32 years young, yes. Wow. Yeah, so he, tell us how you this all began for you. Absolutely. So look, I should prime this by saying I'm the last person who should have started a business and definitely the last person <laughs> that would have started a business. But like most things in the for-purpose sector, you kind of get to a point of just stuff this. And things aren't working or things aren't there to support the people that you love and you just take matters into your own hands so quickly i'm a absolute industry tragic i've been working in disability since i was 16 years old as a volunteer and i've been worked in a broader community services industry ever since just can't get out you know once you get into that cartel there's just no leaving and so what happened was is i was working in a respite center up in sydney and I was given a client. The client file simply told me autistic, psychotic, antisocial, off you go. That's all I knew about this person and their name. So really helpful feedback and briefing. And of course, I was super excited for this session. But of course, within meeting this young man for the first time, I realized he was just absolutely extraordinarily interesting and really pleasant and lovely. And so struck up a great young rapport with him. And I realized that due to his antipsychotic medication that he was taking at the time, he was gaining weight like absolute crazy. It was obviously creating a burden on him as well. And I thought I'd really like to help him with that. What happened was is that as someone who is was psychotic and autistic, he had virtually no support system around him whatsoever. So for cultural reasons, his family completely abandoned him and left him, so zero there. And he had no friends essentially either. So the only people in his life that asked him how he was were people who were paid to ask him that you know, which was really quite disappointing. And so I really said about what can I do for this guy? And I thought, you know, for me, I've just always been a board guy, always been a fitness guy. And I'm just like, I'll just take him to the gym, screw it. It'll help him lose weight and it might give him somewhere to go socially. And I just had no idea what the result would be, but I just didn't expect it to be what it was. And that was just this gym absolutely wrapping itself around this young guy. And I was teaching him about the body. I was teaching him how to lift weights. And before I knew it, the gym refused his money because they just loved him too much. And he was also then, all the regular punters who were there at the gym at you know 10 a.m. on a Thursday were coming up to him and just talking to him. You know what I mean? And then before I knew it, I had six people with disabilities coming into that gym with me. I was pairing them up, giving them their assignments, 
letting them out. And it got up to eight and they just loved it. The gym loved it, you know, and I always forced them to give money to the gym because I said, you need to take ownership over this. You are not a charity case, put your money in and put in the work as well, right? Nothing's free. And it was just going gangbusters. And it was very much in that moment that I decided this is exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life. I can do this forever. And I was all set to set up another program just like it in another part of Sydney. And right before I was about to do that, my dad passed away. So my old man, he was on the spectrum, but of course he was of the generation where that wasn't diagnosed as a young man. So he was a very weird kid and he was very good with computers. So he was able to get employment and and do well for himself, but very much on the spectrum. And it was only when my younger brother Jackson came around and was diagnosed with autism that dad sought his own diagnosis out and realized, oh, there you go. I've been autistic for the last 50 years. How about that? It often Um, happens though, Tommy. I've had a lot of those cases where parents have got diagnosed at the same time. Mm. Do you think that was really important information for him? I think so, but I think for him it was sort of like so he was so much older, it was like, well, I wish I knew that, but now I'm sort of on tracks with my life, you know, he just knew what he liked to do. So I think he just thought it was interesting more than anything else. I don't think he actually took anything out of it in how he changed. He definitely didn't change his lifestyle, I'll, I'll say that. So my dad passed away from very preventable health conditions. So I can't stress enough just how unhealthy he was in every metric. He just liked what he liked and it was bad food and not exercising and playing computer or working on the computer. And he just did that. It was really one day he stood up and his leg snapped underneath him. And it was actually from cancer that had been completely destroying his body for years and years and years. He just never wanted to go to the doctor, just toughened up, stuck it out, you know, had a really weird, you know, interoceptive sense of things. And he just kept on with it. And so he went from being seemingly okay to having six months left to live, you know, and he passed away right before I could do that second program. And I'm there at my dad's funeral, looking at my little brother, Jack, who was very much on the same path from a health perspective and thought, well, I'm not losing my my best mate and my little brother in the same vein. Tried to get Jack into a gym, but we really struggled. I mean, Jim's heard the label autism, shut up shop, tried to get him a PT. I'm not qualified for that. I'm not a bloody doctor. I'm not a psychologist. I can't work with someone on the spectrum. And it was really out of desperation that we found a gym, Anytime Fitness, that were excellent with Jack and the manager there just doted on him completely. But I took myself off out of frustration, became a cert four personal trainer and trained Jack myself. Jack went on to lose 14 kilos. He makes independent lifestyle decisions for himself. He now works for WeFlex. He went from zero push-ups to 100 in a single session. You know, like he's done a complete 180 and he, he now writes a blog on our website about his weight loss journey, what he learned. And I've just instilled that in him. But I realized two things. One, Jack getting fit had nothing to do with accessibility. He didn't need a ramp. He didn't need, you know, easy English material or anything like that. Jack just needed someone who knew how to talk to him and how to understand him, so expressive and receptive. Also, as a personal trainer, I need to stay qualified and up-to-date professional development-wise. I couldn't find a single goddamn thing around disability. 20% of the world, you know, of the population, there's just nothing there. And so I decided, well, that's what I need to do. I need to go and start creating these materials. And that's WeFlex in a very long nutshell. 
That's a great story. <laughs> Funny, um, Chris and I had our kids on, our oldest children on a podcast, and I think it was our first season, wasn't it, Chris? Yeah. And it was really useful for us to hear their perspective about growing up with brothers who both had disabilities. How was it for you growing up in a family where you had a father who was on the spectrum and also a younger brother? I think like a lot of, I found out later in life that I was was termed a young carer, but I think like a lot of young carers, though, you just don't know any different. So it's just all dads are like this, aren't they? Like all sibling relationships are like this. It's just what you know. And so for me, it's only really as a grown man myself and leaving my family dynamic and taking on my own, you sort of realise that things were a bit different for you. And so a lot of it for me is very retrospective, but as much as I'm sure there was like all carers, there's elements of, I'm sure that has affected me in some ways, mm-hmm. both positive and negative. You know, I think I've got a very people-pleasing, others-first mentality, which has not always served me. But I'd also argue that I've got really good communication skills and I'm also probably I'm a bit better. I am empathetic. I am more mindful, conscientious and nurturing than I may have been otherwise. So like all things, there's two sides to it. But really for me, a lot of the awareness has come from afterwards, Or maybe I'm just very thick and slow. Could be either, but it took me a while to get there. I think both our kids said the same thing, that growing up it was just normal, but now that they've stepped out of the family home and they're living independently, that's when they sort of see, well, there was a role there that we played. Mm. It's different to our friends. Absolutely, but wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, Um, absolutely. I'm just so grateful that I've got Jack in my life and even to this day we've been completely inseparable from birth just ever since and nothing's changed whatsoever we've obviously we're in arrested development we're still 10 years old together at all times and even now in our 30s but you know we flex really more than anything just came out of love for my little brother i'm the last guy that would have should have done it so explain how families can get onto WeFlex and start the process Sure. So the, the important things to know about WeFlex is that we are the fitness brand for people living with disability. And our passion is to create a more inclusive fitness space. So what we are not are special needs gyms for special needs people to do their special needs workouts in their special needs parking spots and everything else. We are very much about the fact that the world should be inclusive, the world can be inclusive, and we're going to work with the industry to become more inclusive. I'm very tired and over seeing my little brother have to navigate the world that wasn't built for him, especially when building a world that's fit for Jack is not that much work. It just requires a few minor modifications. And that's something that we're really passionate about. What we do is we create training for our personal trainers that we carefully vet thoroughly and bring on the right people with the right experience and attitudes and the rest of it. And we create training modules for them, which means that I could tell you, Lisa, my little brother's autistic, go help him. That doesn't give you much information. But if I say to you, my little brother has sensory needs and he has communication needs and he has these two behaviours of concern, that gives you way more information to be able to engage with them straight off the bat. Mm -hmm. And that's how we look at needs. We don't care about their diagnosis of disability anywhere near as much as we care about their unique support needs. We do training modules around support needs, not around their labels. Those training modules are co-designed by people with those unique needs. So... I'm in a room with 10 people who are blind and low vision telling me what every personal trainer should know before they work with them. I then get that checked off by a clinical lead. I put that into a module and I give that to the personal trainers. Then we can then match those personal trainers to clients who have those unique needs so that they're appropriate for each other and they can work safely with them. So for the families out there, 
you go to our website, you give us a call, send us an email, carrier pigeon, whatever works for you, and we will get back in touch with you. But we are going to want to know about your kid. We want to know them as a holistic individual. So we'll know what their diagnosis are. We'll know what their support needs are. We also want to know what their favorite sport team is. We want to know what makes them happy, what motivates them, what kind of person is going to best engage them and what kind of support do they need. And then we go and find the right fit for them. I know that I'm the right fit for my little brother and I want to find that fit for every client that we get through. We are NDIS registered, so we can do core, we can do capacity building in terms of the NDIS jargon. We do our best to make it work, but it's very much about them and what they need. And how old do the people need to be if they want to become, you know, participate in your programs? So at the moment, we're about seven or eight and up. Okay. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing we know, we actually work with more younger people than we thought we would, purely because sport at school is just not working for them. One way or another, they just want to run the other way a lot of the times. And so what we do is, okay, but it doesn't mean that they're not interested in being active. It's just the way school's going about it. One size fits all, 30, 40 kids in a class doing it isn't working. So we do work with kids and we work with people in their 60s and 70s and everything in between. And we're not just personal trainers. We are Zumba instructors, we're MMA instructors, boxing instructors, yoga instructors. Anything that's going to get people moving and active, we are all over it. It's what you said before, it's individually targeted. And I think that's what is required, isn't it? Because both Matthew and Louis have autism, but they're just so different in the way you teach them how to do things. But at the same time, they would prefer to be in a gym, like you said before, with people around them, not necessarily, you know, in a small room where there's no one else there. They probably wouldn't do anything if that was the case. And and what are we saying to them when we're doing that? Yeah. Like what's the message that's in that? So, you know, again, we're not for that special thing. So I think it's Aspect have a wonderful saying where they say that if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism and that is it. And we really embrace and encourage that. But, you know, we, we... totally believe that there is everything that needs in the gym to get them engaged and that there's an incidental social benefit from being in a room with people even if you're not talking to them if you're in a room with people you don't have to be even talking to them to get that social feel good that we're socially engineered to experience yeah the example i always give is that if you go to prison you are arguably in very bad company and you're with that but they punish you by removing you from those people and putting you in solitary so the only thing worse than bad company is no company. And so when we create these isolated spaces, it is so much worse mm. for them. And they're not, they're not, they don't have what's called social opportunity, which we want to create. Yeah, and it's a paradox, isn't it, particularly with autism. I know, you know, for us it's important. I guess it applies to lots of different disabilities where social interaction is limited or, in fact, pushed away by the person. So I remember when Louis was younger, he'd tell people to shut up and go away. But actually that was the worst thing that you could do. And of course we didn't, but it is important just to have that, you know, desensitization to having people around as well as the social (laughs) benefits that you pick up. So yeah, I think that's really important. It's also a surprisingly wonderful opportunity, though, to support them with other independent life skills. So one thing that we do and sort of the clients that I have that operate in community gyms is there's a whole process around routine building, but looking after your things, putting your stuff away, cleaning up after yourself, so wiping down the equipment. One thing I hope stays after COVID is the sanitary wiping down of equipment. I've been doing that forever and I don't know why no one else did, but there's that, there's waiting your turn. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And there's maybe asking someone, are you done? And being mindful of other people's workouts as well. And I think it's more of a male thing as well, the idea that if you tell me, oh, we're going to go there to talk to someone, you don't want to do it. But you go there to do an activity and there's other people there that talk to you as you're doing that activity, the conversation is easier to manage and process. Mm-hmm. But it always gives them an out from a conversation too. Okay, I'm going to go back to working out. Sort of, sort of thing. So it's not the point of it. It's just incidental opportunities around them, which is really, really exciting. And to be honest with you, you know, we're very lucky to be partnered with Anytime Fitness Australia, who are absolutely and, and wholeheartedly, authentically driven to be the most inclusive gym network in Australia. And we have been working with over 100 of their gyms nationally, and that's growing. And they are all, all in meaningfully, and they really want to celebrate and just do whatever they can to support people with disabilities accessing their gyms. And we are providing them support around that. So, you know what I mean? But they know that there's benefit and that their members are going to love it. And so far, their members do love it. And there must be a lot of confidence building as well, Tommy. I think, you know, anybody wants to be successful at what they do. And often some of these kids, particularly because, you know, we're interested in kids and young adults or children and young adults, often told that they're not successful or they don't feel successful. And so building that confidence by, you know, having their own plan, meeting their own goals, Mm. you know, feeling stronger and more capable must be fantastic to see. It's cool. Well, you know, have you guys ever seen a fitness or health product advertised towards women? Yes. Have you ever seen fitness or health goals advertised towards older people? Yes. Mm. Younger people? Yes. How many times have you seen anything health and fitness related marketed to people with disability mm. probably never i know i certainly have it and you know so the confidence thing is a big part of it is you can't be what you can't see and so i know for me growing up i was always encouraged to be healthy to be active always did a sport the whole thing jack had a label none of that applied to him mm-hmm. for some reason we just figured he'd never want to get into it or do it or would respond to it but when Jack started working out really quickly, he fell in love with it and he's been doing it ever since. And his confidence has grown. His confidence probably overshot the mark of where I wanted it to go. And I now need to rein him back in because this boy is very confident and uh, starting to get a bit cocky, if you ask me. So he <laughs> thinks he's fitter than me. But, you know, it's funny. And, you know, we've all got our own quirks. But, you know, Jack, like a lot of people on the spectrum, you know, you love affair with the mirror and reflections and faces and posing and different things. And, you know, but Jack's just, he's starting to flex. He's starting to look at himself. <laughs> <laughs> proud that he's lost weight you can yeah. see the difference and that's just a really cool thing to see because you know like my dad he never cared what he looked like whatsoever and we're not aesthetically driven at WeFlex. we don't we're not six packs or anything like that yeah. jack needed to lose weight for his own health and jack's noticing that he lost weight and he feels really proud of that and it's just really cool to see my brother in that way in a way that i may never have seen it if the life turned out differently Yeah, it's about building those practices up when you can, I guess, because I often think, you know, Louis is a bit of a Labrador, he'd eat his way through life. And so you don't want him to be, you know, predisposed to heart conditions or type 2 diabetes or any of those chronic illnesses when we're getting older and, you know, won't have that time to help him build those disciplines. So it's a good time now, I guess. Well, absolutely. And what's really exciting for us is that, and I'm sure you know as well from a clinical standpoint, there's not a huge amount of research backing the impacts of regular exercise on different types of disability. So there has been some literature review done on how exercise impacts people on the autism spectrum. And they said that when participating in moderate to rigorous exercise two to three times a week, 
about, you know, 30 to 45 minute workouts, they notice that positive behaviors like the ability to concentrate, emotionally regulate, things like that improved and negative behaviors like absconding, emotional irregulation and things like that actually decreased. And so there's not enough literature to say that it absolutely will make everything better or will make, but things typically work out when you do work out. And there is some evidence suggesting that there's actually real support in behavior support for people on the spectrum, but others around exercising regularly. And so we've partnered with university as well, the Australian College of Physical Education, and we're excited to look into how can we actually support research into this to show that, you know, exercising can actually support with regulation and also support with behaviour support as well. I agree with that because I think it also helps with anxiety. I know when we work with personal training for Matthew, just that level of anxiety sort of went from high to kind of eased down a little bit because he was using energy, he was exercising, he was sweating. On a day-to-day basis, these kids won't voluntarily go out for a run or go to the gym on their own because where are they going to go? I think it's very important and something that's not really looked at, like you said before. No, absolutely not. And so what's really exciting then is that the idea that, you know, and I'm definitely guilty of it myself as a brother, but when someone in your life has the label, that very much becomes their defining feature. And we forget that there's still a very human being beneath that who has every other need and their body will benefit from these physiological practices like anybody else would. And so, you know, with Jack, he's autistic. We always saw him that way as a kid and we always tailored around that and always tried to make his life easy because of that. And we did, you know, collectively as a family, lose sight of the fact that as a human, he would benefit from exercise. He would benefit from being outside being engaged and we just saw it as a binary fit you know what I mean a a round peg through a square hole instead it's like well Jack actually can do it we just have to tailor it to fit him that's very much the crux of reflex is just we're acknowledging that they've got human bodies that will benefit hormonally you know physically from exercise we just need to make it fit so true fantastic and what's your next ambition I guess that you Uh you opened your expanded your business then what's your mission, do you think, or your purpose? What do you think you're driving towards? So the one thing I'm really passionate about really is creating a more inclusive world and more inclusive space, but not by taking on that as a mission, but finding pockets, little things that I think that can actually be objectively changed. So I don't think an inclusive fitness industry is the most important thing on the planet right now, but I think it's something that's within my skill set, my knowledge, and something that is achievable in my lifetime. So that's going to be a part of an inclusive world. So I'm going to focus on that. WeFlex itself is taking off. It's doing really well. We've got more PTs coming on, more opportunities available for other families. And so we're just focusing on that. But this is really broad how it can go. We're in conversations with, we're creating a inclusive active wear with our friends over at PE Nation for people. Yeah, I heard about that. That's awesome. People with sensory needs, people with wheelchairs, people who have access needs in terms of bigger holes to fit into shirts or sleeves and things like that, people with amputations. We're creating an online platform that's going to support the clients that we have, just manage themselves on their own, automated. But on top of that, I'm creating a health literacy series where I'm supporting people with disabilities, understand their own health, understand their body, and give them the tools to make decisions in their lives because the fitness industry, health industry, is it's the point of entry is getting quite higher now. It's getting really intense and we're very much a meet people where they are and incorporate that 1% rule, just making tiny little things you can do over the long haul 
to get healthier. Everyone wants to get healthy in three weeks. No one thinks about it for the term of three years. But Weflex is going to keep me very busy for the foreseeable future. But what we're excited by is that we've already got opportunities to work overseas as well. So as you guys know, autism disability is exactly the same wherever you go in any country. And so are the benefits of exercise and fitness. We've got opportunities that we'll be taking and we see this going all over the world because at the moment we're being reached out to by other countries because that's how little there is out there. Mm, That's great. Mm, And what advice do you have for other siblings who've got kid brothers or sisters who have disabilities? What would you say to them? You've got a 32-year-old brother. Yeah. You've gone down that journey. So what would you say? Firstly, I just want to shake your hand and say how awesome you are. And, you know, make sure that you look after yourself as well. Put your needs first, I think, is really important. But on top of that, if you think your sibling would benefit from health and exercise and you engage in it yourself, bring them along. See if you can get them actually engaged with the way that you engage with it or find a way to do what you want to do with them. And if you're also quite sedentary, maybe you can engage in this activity together. Maybe you can do it through your good friends over at WeFlex and we can help you out. (laughs) On that note, love the name, by the way. Keep saying it out loud. (laughs) Well, we want it to be a cool brand and not be what we consider to be a bit of an industry that has, one, there seems to be a rule that you need to have ability in your name no matter what. You know what I mean? And it's just a bit not interested in that. But also we don't want to be the lame Mickey Mouse sort of brand that's just condescending. We want to be a really fun, hip, trendy, aspirational brand that everybody wants to be a part of, but we're for people with disabilities only. Awesome. Well, we can't wait to put our boys in, both 22 and love Diet Cokes. And (laughs) bring them on. We'll have to bring them on. (laughs) Thank you so much for talking to us, Tommy, today. It's been awesome. And, yeah, we flex. Love it and can't wait to see how it grows. My pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for being part of the Loop Me In community today and joining our conversation on raising children with disabilities. Join us for the next episode on some of your favourite platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you would like to support us, please recommend the Loop Me In podcast to your network of parents, carers and providers. If you would like us to cover a topic or invite a guest to chat, please email us at contact at loop-me-in.com.au or go to our website at loop-me-in.com.au. If you've got any feedback, please let us know so we can improve and cover issues you want. And of course, if anything in the podcast today has raised concerns for you, you can contact Beyond Blue on 1300 224636 or Lifeline on 13 